0: with you, Susan Rosen.
1: Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and I have a guest today by the name of, oh my God, I forgot your last, your first name. David. David. (laughs) That's my brother's name. You'd think I would remember that. David Shirazi. And David is a dentist and acupuncturist. Um, and has a couple of practices in, in Los Angeles and you also have a research facility. I do. Um, and you also have an inter- some interesting special special I was going to say specialties but that's not exactly the way that you say it, right? Special practices. Focuses. Yeah. Focuses. Areas yeah. of focus. Yeah. Areas of focus that mm-hmm. um, that you deal with and work with and help people with. And um, I think, personally, um, it, it's something that I'm very aware of. Um, and also, I think, for most people that are over 50, even if they don't realize it, really could use some help in this area. So why don't I will let, turn that over to you, and you can explain all of that. And then we can, uh, we can have a little conversation.
2: Well, lovely well, you know i thank you for having me on your show the 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 subjects that we're going to be talking about directly influence those over fifty so i th- i I think it's a it's a good match um My practice is limited to the treatment of snoring and sleep apnea and t m j disorders as they're related to many things like we were talking before the show about how tension type headaches and migraine type headaches can be associated with clenching and gnashing of the teeth. Um, And I do a form of orthodontics called functional orthodontics, which is sort of like what you would do to someone, to a child, for example, when you couldn't do, let's say, appliances, like you would use, like for example, functional orthodontics, if done appropriately, can literally cure sleep apnea in a child. What we can't say cure very often in our field. Even taking out tonsils and adenoids in children doesn't cure it, it reduces it. If it's inflamed, but it doesn't um, it doesn't uh, cure it like like functional orthodontics can. Do
1: you, do you hear a funny oh, a buzzing? Stop! Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry, that oh. was me. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's okay. I thought I thought you know who knows with all the electronics. Um, sorry, I had didn't want to just to uh, interrupt you.
2: Yeah. No. And and that's it. So hmm. so my focus is with sleep and. You know, sleeping, and, and again, I do not say this to be facetious or to put pie in the sky notions. This is a, I'm a clinical researcher, so I take these words very seriously. Um, sleeping, getting regular, productive sleep, is more beneficial to one's health than diet, exercise, and even uh, psychotropic medication to treat anxiety and depression. It's it's one of the greatest things you can have is good, sound sleep.
1: That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, um... Because I think the other the other issue is that a lot of people, particularly over 50, um, even without those issues, have other issues. I know I I had a period in my life where I was um, supporting my mom, who was in her 90s at the time, and I would end up having to rush her to the emergency hospital at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then that was that was it. I got no sleep.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then trying to function the next day, yeah. you know, without it. Well, there's two specific stages in our sleep. One is Delta, one is REM. Uh, delta is where we get over 90% of our growth hormone, okay? So in children, obviously, we need growth hormone to grow. But after we've reached our genetic potential for growth, we then use growth hormone to repair physically, physically repair tissue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. After a workout, after an illness, yeah. we need growth hormone. And with REM, that's where we get our memory consolidation and our emotional processing, right, which is so huge. Mm -hmm. And then like I was saying, those psychotropic, many, if not nearly all of the psychotropic meds, doesn't matter if it's SSRI or otherwise, Mm. uh, they actually retard um, REM sleep and actually cause people to clench their teeth more.
1: interesting Uh so
2: kind of like uh the opposite of what you what you actually need
1: yeah that's um i don't think that's that unusual in life these days (laughs) especially with so many people self-prescribing things you know do this or do that or whatever i mean i'm just as bad as as a lot of them so
2: yeah i mean people are just trying to figure things out as they go along you know they Mm -hmm. go to their doctor um, most physicians will prescribe a medication. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is very little uh, in conventional, what we call allopathic medicine. There's very little, mm-hmm. let's sit down and try to figure out why you're having this problem. There's very little of that. It's mostly, well, well, here's a drug. Let's see if that does it and or pacifies you. Okay, And if it doesn't, then let's see if we can justify a surgery you know, <laughs> to take something out. So it's, you know, I'll tell you, My, my uh, I have a family member whose husband was at in medical school. I won't name the medical school, but it's a very prominent medical school uh-huh. and no different than any traditional medical school today.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And I asked him a very loaded question. I knew I was asking him a loaded question. And I said, so are they teaching you anything about diagnosis these days? And, and he said, oh, my God. All day now, all I'm doing is case studies, case study after case study. That's all I'm doing. I said, all right, give me an example of a case study. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, this patient came in and she had these constellation of symptoms and, you know, turned out to be hyperthyroidism. I said, okay. So why did the patient have hyperthyroidism, right? And he's got a blank look on his face. And I said, well, the patient didn't have hyperthyroidism 10 years ago. So why is she in your office today with hyperthyroidism, doctor? And again, like a blank look. And listen, the, the guy had a master's in neurology before he went to med school. He is really smart, okay? Mm, yeah. and, and my wife is, is a pharmacist and she's like the yin to my yang. So she would say, Dave is asking about the origin of disease, right? And he still couldn't get it. So yeah. I switched into professor mode and I asked him like they would in med school. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, so what are some of the known causes of hyperthyroidism. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, it could be genetic. I go, okay, less than 10%. What else? He goes, it could be iodine deficiency. And I said, great. And my cousin says, well, what's the answer? I said, well, he just told me the answer or the possibility. Mm -hmm. And and he looked at me like I was crazy. And he goes, (laughs) iodine deficiency. And I said, well, if the blood test shows the patient has hyperthyroidism, and that's a fact, and you know that iodine deficiency can cause hyperthyroidism, why wouldn't you prescribe it and see how the patient responds mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. because the alternative is you take out all or part of the thyroid mm-hmm. and you put them on a medication like synthroid for the rest of their lives
1: yeah which is and, and,
2: I, and well it will i mean sometimes it's a necessary evil like when people have cancer you know sometimes it's yes. just necessary yes yes, but, yes yes but uh i, I said you know The thyroid kind of regulates, you know, female Mm -hmm. hormones. So while you're trying to figure it out in six months, while you're trying to find out what the right dosage is for that patient, her hormones are going all over the place. She's going mental, right? I said, imagine that's your wife. Would you want, would you even want to live with someone while they're going through all that emotional stuff? Why wouldn't she just give him some iodine? There's no side effects to this. Yeah, right? yeah. And he, to this day, we hardly ever speak. <laughs> he didn't like that. This was literally over a decade ago.
1: Oh no. <laughs> and, oh uh, no.
2: And, and so, it's so, but, but, but you understand he's not unique. This is no, a no. common thought process is yes. okay. Yes. So the blood work, the, the way the patient speaks about their mental health, that is the diagnosis. And they're very good at finding out you know the exact thing you have going on mm-hmm. and then when it comes down to actually trying to resolve it mm-hmm. most of the time they don't mm-hmm. they they just want to pacify what's happening you know as an emergency state so and you know once you take a thyroid out you can't put it back in uh, no. you know and you it doesn't glau- grow back either it doesn't well <laughs> it can if you leave some of it behind but it's uh, rare
1: okay
2: um and, you know, once you take a gallbladder out, for example, mm-hmm. it doesn't grow back. So th- these are things that yeah. affect like your yeah. whole
1: life. I, I, I had my appendix out. Yeah. They don't grow back. They To this day, I'm not sure that anybody even knows what appendixes are there for. I don't.
2: Well, we know what they're there for. It's oh, not a yeah. secret. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's a it's a lymph node. Uh,
1: see, I didn't so know that. So the,
2: the, the gut, as you know, is our... Uh, you know, it processes food, but it also Uh,
1: everything else,
2: it's everything else. It also is a huge source of our immune system, like 80% Mm -hmm. of our immune system comes from the gut. But sometimes that flora can get, you know, in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And so you need the purpose of the lymph nodes is to pick up, you know, your immune response and, Mm -hmm. you know, pathogens response and store them up so they don't become systemic right so so the problem is sometimes they don't know the problem with lymph nodes in general is that they don't um if they get stuck mm. then they have a hard time releasing them without any intervention and so what ends up happening is they can explode mm. right mm-hmm. and then you know it could be very bad if, if it's in your gut and your gut explodes
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah no no kidding yeah
2: right yeah but, well and but I, was, yeah, that, I was a little
1: kid so yeah i'm sorry i was a little kid I think mm. I was 10 12 somewhere in there
2: okay yeah. were you constipated or or always okay okay mm-hmm.
1: okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah i am um, yeah it's funny i was actually i was actually watching one of the um the videos actually it's the video i guess the google video that's on your website
2: oh okay yes yeah. Yeah. the yeah. google and talk
1: yeah yeah and i didn't i didn't actually get to watch very much of it but i was watching some of it and it was interesting because one of the one of the things that I guess you, you talk about, and we can talk about is yeah. um, about um, how important it is for mothers to breastfeed.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I know my mother didn't breastfeed me. Mm. Um, I don't think she breastfed my brothers either, to be perfectly honest, I have three older brothers. But for me, when they took me, actually, they literally took me out, they did a cesarean, mm-hmm. And they did a full hysterectomy at the same time. Okay. So she didn't do anything after I would, after they took me.
2: Oh uh, yeah.
1: Right. You know. She was um, recovering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and back then, you know, we're talking long recoveries. Yeah. You know, because I'm yeah. 66 years old, so mm-hmm. it was it, life was a lot different in yeah. in many ways, but the same in probably a lot of other ones as well. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it was it was it was much much different so yeah
2: and and one of the purposes of breastfeeding in addition to developing the oral apparatus Mm. and learning how to swallow Mm. food and developing your palate um but one of the purpose the main purposes is to line the gut flora with healthy bacteria right the first year of a child's life they don't really have an immune system right it's a very very immature immune system Mm. Um, but it's so rudimentary; it's picked up by the gut, right? So, so, the, so, for example, moms that can't breastfeed, you can actually get like goat milk, which is almost a hundred percent identical to human breast milk.
0: Huh. You
2: can get uh, probiotics wow. and put it in Similac, uh-huh. and and give the child, um, you know, uh-huh. some healthy gut flora. Um, that's part of the <laughs> that's part of the uh, the issue with it is. If you don't have the proper gut flora, you can have things like constipation.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You oh, need it to oh, yeah. Process. yeah, and I'm sure I didn't get any of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, life is fun. We deal with what you got, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, It's all, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can find people that had it worse and people that had it better. But right. uh, we, we just deal with what we have, and, and mm-hmm. we, we do our best to choose to make the best of it mentally. Mm-hmm. As we mm-hmm. can. That's. Yeah. That's, it's always a
1: choice. Yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and um, and that. I mean. And that's part of what I've done as well. Is just learning more about health and learning more about the things that have um, enabled me to be better and them for my body to be better. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. My mother. Yeah. <laughs> She did give me one other thing though that that I'm not sure I wanted, but she had lots and lots of allergies, mm-hmm. and I I picked up a lot. Of, actually, all all four of us got her allergies, so yeah. I got all of her. Her they call them food sensitivities now, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but they're essentially allergies. They just don't yeah. show up in a skin test.
2: That's right. But there is a blood test you can have done mm. that'll tell you exactly what they are. Right and exactly how reactive you are to it and i think everybody should have it i think everybody the lab i recommend people go to is called meridian valley labs Uh they're out out in the northwest Um, and it's called an igg4 food sensitivity Uh panel Uh and Uh it'll tell you what you know what it is i have a family member that um one of my doctor friends did the study on for her and she had a very very high level of lemon of all things i've only seen lemon come up once ever in my life huh. and and she's persian so she's squeezing lemon on everything oh my god so yeah she doesn't know who th- who would yeah. ever think that delicious lemon juice would be <laughs> would be inflammatory to the gut but that's yeah. just it finding out what it is like you know wheat um dairy yeah. eggs soy and corn are usually the top offenders, right? Um, and even me, so. For example, I don't have a reaction to wheat. My my genetic ancestry is Persian Jewish, mm. and we date back to the Babylonians, and mm-hmm. we invented wheat, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm okay with it on the test. However, because so much of the wheat that you, we have now is so processed and has been genetically altered. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still react badly to wheat. I have to be very cautious about yeah. what I eat when it comes to wheat.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't do wheat. I can't do cow milk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can do and and but beef is mean, kind of iffy as well. I think it's kind of anything from a cow. But even mm-hmm. though I do everything organic, so there's not a lot of of the chemicals and stuff that are in so many of them. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I yeah. Those are those are the the two. I can do goat milk and sheep milk good oh that beautiful yeah um, me
2: too and and your body really very few people have a sensitivity to uh, goat milk and goat cheese Mm. some have it to sheep it's not terribly common but you can Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason why you know people have a problem with cow dairy and beef is you know i don't know if you know this but in europe they have cows just for beef and cows just for milk yeah. And in England, they have um, cows, particularly bulls, mm-hmm. just for their leather.
1: Okay, okay, that part I didn't know, but I knew the other. Yeah. Well,
2: the reason why they pick the bulls is because the female cows get stretch marks when they have babies, and that makes the le- the leather less quality. So they go with what? males for their <laughs> leather. Um, but but here in America, the yeah. the top uh, consumer. Of cow products is in the hamburger industry, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are all corporate decisions that were made where they said, well, you know, we need the beef and we need mm. it to say the same taste. Mm. And, you know, these cows are expensive. How do we lower our costs? It's like, well, if we hybridize these beef cows to these milk cows, then we'll collect milk from them for several years before we, you know, slaughter them and, and make hamburgers. And so th- they they did make a profit that way. But what they've done to, you know, the environment and the climate and mm. and the ecosystem is really, truly unforgivable.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Especially the way they raise them and, and the fact I mean, it's not even. Yeah, it's not even living. I mean, it's so disgusting. It's, it's
2: horrific to watch. It's horrific yeah. to watch. I it I is. agree. And I hope that this information becomes more widespread and people understand. Yeah. Um, what's going on now but there is a difference though between pasture raised beef and wild beef yeah yes. and and that was, sorry i meant factory farm yeah uh, beef um i've been looking at some documentaries and i don't know why this is by the way but for some reason for, for the last what 20 years every documentary i've seen mm-hmm. is they'll have great information in there really important information in there but then they'll throw in some half-truths or lies, which I, I, I don't understand. Like when Michael Moore came out with that Fahrenheit 9-11, which is yes. very damning of what the Bush administration did yeah. um, and Bush's ties to the oil in Saudi Arabia. Uh, then they put in some really factually wrong information in there, mm-hmm. which helped to discredit all the good information that was yeah. actually accurate in there. So they came up with this this vegan movie on Netflix last year um i can't remember the name of it really great information very Uh science-based um they talk about the benefits of having a more vegan lifestyle especially over 50
1: Uh right
2: Uh and then they'll say something like oh it doesn't matter if you have factory raised beef or pasture raised beef they're all the same right which is so inaccurate and then they also said that soy products increase your testosterone as opposed to your estrogen, that's which an was, old myth. It's uh, I, I couldn't believe after all the great stuff that they would say they they switched to that, which to me discredited the rest. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so I don't know why there's a trend. Yeah, <laughs> they no, don't we're... fact check. It's a document. Like if you're making a fictional movie, you don't need to fact check yourself. Right, right. right. But if you're making a documentary,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ha- have it fact checked. Um. That that is, yeah, it's mind blowing. It really is. So let's go back to the the whole uh, sleeping and and snoring and and all of that because obviously you and I could go on for a lot longer talking about all I'm these other life. yeah yeah all these other issues and and I and I actually would love to do that sometime because um, we're obviously on the same page and you have much more information than I do. I mean, I know probably a lot more than most people, but that doesn't take much to do that these days.
2: (laughs) So what, what aspect of sleep would you like more knowledge in? What do you think your viewers Um, would like to know more about? I'm happy to discuss it. Well, I
1: think, I think probably, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you in particular have, have kind of put it all together with the, the teeth grinding and the and the apnea oh, yeah. and and um, so many other things that are all in that that area, right? right? So,
2: well, let me start with like what mm-hmm. sleep apnea is. So, mm. the apnea part of sleep apnea is when we hold our breath for ten mm. seconds or longer. Okay? okay, and another aspect is called hypopnea, where we have shallow breathing that causes oxygen to dip three percent or more. Okay, we in a sleep study, whether we do it at home or in a lab, we'll tally up all the apneas and all the hypopneas divided by the number of hours someone is sleeping, actually asleep. And Mm -hmm. we get a score. We call it the AHI, And from that, we determine if they have, you know, no apnea, mild, moderate or Mm -hmm. severe. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is, you know, relative to pretty much all the other specialties, Uh, Sleep, and particularly sleep apnea, is only about 40 years old. Mm. All the other industries are a couple hundred years Mm -hmm. old in Western medicine. And by the way, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, those are 5,000 years old (laughs) and plus. Um, But Western medicine is about 200. Um, But with sleep apnea, um, we thought, okay, the, the problem was the loss in oxygen. Right from holding uh-huh. your breath or mm. the shallow breathing. Mm. What we and of course that is a factor. But what we're finding is the most relevant point of sleep apnea is what's called arousals. And what that means is when we're in a deeper stage of sleep, like the delta and the rem, I talked about at the beginning, when we we get kicked out of that stage of sleep, mm. right? Into a lighter stage of sleep, right? And having those arousals is associated with every inflammatory disease i know right i have not found yet anything that isn't related to that even like you would think oh well it's not it's not related to cancer well we now have literature shows that patients that have sleep apnea and cancer have a five times greater chance of dying with their cancer if they already have sleep apnea so there's there there's Most of it is indirect, but Mm -hmm. it can be directed. Like, for example, we know high blood pressure can be Mm -hmm. caused by sleep apnea. We know type 2 diabetes can be caused by sleep apnea. We know anxiety and depression. And the reason why we know this is, well, first of all, there's thousands of studies. But once we follow up, once we have a patient that has both, Mm. you know, hypertension or type Mm 2 diabetes or whatever, Mm -hmm. and sleep apnea, Mm -hmm. once we get around to treating them with either CPAP or oral appliance therapy, when we remeasure them, most of the time their type 2 diabetes either improves or goes away. Their hypertension, their blood pressure comes down, usually within normal. Of course, their diet is a big part of that as well. Um, And their anxiety and their depression greatly improve. Wow. Right? So we see it just result. That's why I say it's more effective than diet and exercise and psychotropic mm-hmm. drugs. Mm-hmm. Is because yeah. you're actually kind of treating the cause, letting your own body's right. ability to repair itself come through.
1: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So is there a difference just between plain old, or is there a plain old snoring versus apnea? Or is it all all under the apnea? really?
2: So... I mean, all of it, we, we have subsets of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we even have something called central sleep apnea, which is your brain telling your body not to breathe.
1: Oh, lovely. It's not
2: a physical instruction okay. yeah. in the throat. So uh, with snoring, I mean, we don't have to describe what snoring is, right? It's mm-hmm. the sound.
1: No.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, there is an aspect of sleep apnea called upper airway resistance syndrome, where you hold your breath for less than 10 seconds. And your shallow breathing doesn't cause oxygen deprivation, mm-hmm. but it kicks you out of a deeper stage of sleep. It causes an arousal, right? Okay. And those are the, that is the aspect of sleep apnea that's been associated roughly 50% of the time uh, with people that clench their teeth. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. So, and that's why we see whenever we resolve the apnea with the CPAP or uh, uh-huh. or appliance therapy, they stop clenching. They, it reduces uh-huh. their ability to clench. Not a hundred percent because like uh-huh. we said, you could be upset about something that they, you know, if for example, we just talked about you had a food sensitivity, let's say you had okay. a wheat and dairy. If you go and eat a slice of pizza, you're gonna clench your teeth. Let's mm. put it that way. Anything that stimulates okay. the autonomic nervous system will make, can make you clench your teeth.
1: Interesting, interesting, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, it, and it also makes sense because like for me, and I'm probably not alone on this, a lot of the time I will get um, more congestion in my sinuses, which means that I'm yeah. not breathing That's correct. as well. That's so correct. It just goes right down the, down the hill, right?
2: That, that's right. It can lead, it's one of the main causes of people having sleep apnea. It can even be related to that central sleep apnea because when we switch mm-hmm. from nose breathing to mouth breathing, we get rid of much co2 and the only response the body has to restore your co2 is to stop you from breathing let your metabolism restore your co2 now coming back to the arousals Uh um there was a study done in i believe it was cleveland clinic Mm -hmm. with 1100 subjects and what they did was they did sleep studies on both the husband and the wife Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. and what they found were predominantly not you know i'm i'm making generalizations to kind of give yeah. a summary of what happened in the study um, and it wasn't only the men that had apnea and no but generally speaking that was the case uh-huh. so the men that had sleep apnea with uh-huh. their wife bed partner that didn't have sleep apnea uh-huh. the husband had an, an arousal index of 27 arousals an hour associated uh-huh. with their apnea Uh The wives with no apnea had 21 arousals an hour from the husband snoring and not just the snoring, but the holding of the breath is a bit, it's a bit, it's like you're used to the sound and then it shuts off. Uh And and you actually, you'll see people will jerk in their sleep when their Mm -hmm. bed partner does that. Uh So of the 1100 subjects, they whittled it down to 150 people that stuck and used the CPAP religiously. Right.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: And they asked their bed partners, okay, who didn't need treatment in anything, right, Mm -hmm. who didn't have apnea. They Mm -hmm. said, So now that your bed partner is wearing a CPAP every night, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Right. They're like, Well, you know, there's been no other changes in my life other than the machine. And, you know, uh, my mood is better. My headaches are gone. Um, My kids tell me I'm a lot much more agreeable. And and we, we saw a secondary response. From the bed sense. partner not being woken up 21 times an hour
1: yeah 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 i mean they may as well have apnea themselves right uh, th- th-
2: there is logic in that. there is yeah, logic in that. yeah.
1: <laughs> wow yeah yeah that's that's interesting yeah i don't i don't i know that i snore um when i'm on my back
2: yes that's most common
1: yeah not on my side
2: and especially when you can't breathe through your nose
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well and i do clench my teeth
2: yes that's very common with mouth breathers as well
1: (laughs) yeah 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 so i would recommend i would say Uh
2: talk to your doctor about it Uh and do and do a sleep study for yourself
1: Mm. okay
2: yeah there's no harm in it they get more data from that sleep study than any blood test it's a great it's a great amount of information that comes through Uh uh-huh checks your heart checks your breathing checks your brain waves it's lovely. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Okay. And then, um, yeah. It's, it's actually it's it's funny because when you talk about with, with couples, right? So many things are, are um, have to do with couples <laughs> down down line it's true. things. It's true. Um, yeah. But um, you know, my my husband's always you know not always, but every once in a while he'll try and wake me up.
2: Yes, um, he, he does the elbow jab
1: yeah 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 um yeah and um and sometimes i have to wake him up you yeah. know even though he well, swears he doesn't snore but he, yeah. he's funny he's the opposite he does it on his side yeah not on his back i've yeah. never known anybody who did that yeah
2: guy. if you <laughs> if you have a tonsillar issue that could be the case it is most common to snore more and have apnea more when you're on your back
1: uh-huh yeah yeah interesting Okay. I guess I should do that. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure I can handle the CPAP thing. Well, don't don't assume. One, yeah, don't assume. The, that. No, you know, no. I'm just saying I, I think the other one that you were saying or that the, I saw in your... The
2: oral appliance, what yes. I what I use. Yes. This is what I have myself and what I treat yeah. from my patients is yeah. an oral appliance. Now
1: that, that would make sense to me because I'm already putting a mouth guard in. What's the difference?
2: exactly it is a little bit more bulky a little Uh bit more bulky because it's a top and bottom piece Uh okay yeah um but uh yeah it's uh it's a great alternative to cpap so here's the generalized numbers in terms of success Hmm. so a cpap is roughly 99 percent successful in treating sleep apnea Mm -hmm. when you wear it it's not tolerated very well so, the the adherence to CPAP is about 50%, mm-hmm.
1: roughly. Mm-hmm.
2: With oral appliances, oral appliances are what, 75% or so uh, at resolving sleep apnea. Mm. Uh, but they're tolerated 75, 80% plus of the time because it's just a matter of putting it in.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Uh-huh. Um, if you can remember to do so. So, it's, you know, I always joke in my lectures that it's like the difference between ointment and suppository. It's like, yes, a suppository will work way better than ointment, right? But you got to do that. You got to put it in every night, right? Uh-huh. So for uh-huh. some people, like for patients that had very severe sleep apnea, their only choice is CPAP or surgery. There is, you know, an oral appliance uh-huh. um, is usually not indicated for severe sleep apnea. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, and that, and that would make sense. That would yeah. That would make sense. Um yeah. Yeah, I don't um well, I'm not going to say I I don't think I have the extreme right. Uh, sleep apnea because I'm not, you know, I don't wake up in the morning tired or yeah, anything like that and I and and most of the time I don't even wake up and have to go to the bathroom occasionally.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But I do end up going I keep going back on my back even though I get on my side and I end up on
2: my back. So there is actually a <laughs> phenomenon called uh-huh. positional apnea. Okay. Where it only exists when you're typically it's on your back, but it, it could be your side as well. But it only exists when you're on that position.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, which is so, when I'm on my back. I mean that's when I
2: So they they sell shirts uh-huh. with like a reverse fanny pack on it.
1: Oh for that.
2: Or yeah. they'll duct tape tennis balls right down the spine uh-huh. so that it hurts to uh-huh. sleep on your back.
1: Okay, to retrain so you. So to, tra-
2: <laughs> to train you
1: uh-huh. to sleep
2: on your side yeah
1: yeah yeah does it work
2: yeah if it, it does if you can tolerate it yeah so <laughs> there are some people usually people that are more heavy set that they'll still end up sleeping on their back with it and then they wake up with back pain oh no <laughs> right then but, they get but, they get
1: used to it sort of
2: it's sort of that well their <laughs> desire to sleep on their back outweighs uh-huh the pain of it but but i think for the most part they do work If you have positional apnea, and again, you you know, getting a sleep study,
1: yeah, yeah, would would tell you all that. Yeah,
2: it's just it's just a great thing to do. It's just a great thing to do, and that you can have it done in your own bed. You don't have to go to the lab. Oh, you know what? What I tell patients when they're trying to decide which one they should do, Uh I'll tell them, okay, listen, if you have not just sleep apnea but a whole bunch of other conditions like insomnia, for example, Hmm. um. And you're the kind of person that when you go to a hotel, like on vacation, that first night you don't sleep right, you know, you need a couple of nights to get used to the bed and the environment, you know, you should, you should definitely, you know, do it at home. But if you have like, you know what I said, if you had other medical conditions, insomnia and all that, and you're the kind of person that can just put your head on the pillow and go to sleep anywhere, definitely do it in the lab. It's, it's way more data. Okay. Right. And there's literally yeah. someone watching you as you're doing it in another room, uh-huh. making sure you're okay uh-huh. and making sure, you know, all the sensors are on you correctly and scoring your study manually in real time. You know, huh. it's interesting. It, it really, it's a tremendous amount of information. These slip technologists are are just living legends. Like hmm? they're, they're, they they're shift workers, so they have to sleep during the day
1: oh my god, and yeah. work at night.
2: And you know they usually are seeing two, three, or more patients a night, wow. and they have to monitor these all at the same time. And they have they just have to be on top of it. They just and it's amazing. They have to make sometimes life and death decisions. You know, in real time,
1: because wow. the doctor's not there. Yeah. You know. Oh my yeah. god. Wow. Um, huh. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to look and see. I have Kaiser, so I don't know what they cover or don't cover.
2: They they do both. It's it's been my experience that they actually prefer to do home sleep studies because it's cheaper. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm
1: not even sure they would do it at all. So,
2: <laughs> it, it, you know what? If if you God forbid had severe sleep apnea, you would demand an in lab study. You would demand one,
1: mm-hmm. and they
2: have to give it to you they have and if they don't have it in their facility they have to pay for someone else to do it interesting okay yeah.
1: well, keep that in mind i don't think i'm quite at that level but um mm-hmm. but you never know right
0: it's <laughs> <That's Yeah>. done
1: yeah <laughs> just go I, mean, I always tell people it's like why why
2: play guessing games right yeah that that's also a problem in my profession Mm. is once they have the diagnosis, once the dentist makes an oral appliance, they don't do a follow-up sleep study on the patient, like refer him back to the doctor and, uh-huh. you know, please test my device, see if it's working. Uh-huh. Um, they'll, they'll go by patient's anecdotal recount
1: yeah. or they'll go
2: by uh, like a journal uh-huh. or they'll go by what the bed partner says. Uh-huh. These are not accurate. <laughs> These are not accurate at all, you know? Yeah and the modern you know technique is to use like a fitbit or something like that oh no i i haven't seen i know the technology is improving i have yet to see something that is like that that is a real improvement uh-huh. that is a real change, game
1: changer wow no that would that, that that would make perfect sense you know yeah um, yeah wow huh okay we'll have to check into that yeah please do yeah Yeah. No, I would, I would love to stop clenching my teeth. Yeah, And you know, nothing else. (laughs) If you, if
2: you do decide, for example, Uh if you do decide to uh, go to a sleep lab and get it done, Mm -hmm. feel free to take your husband with you. You know, you'll, you'll each have your own bed. It'll be something you guys will do together Uh um, and just get, get it tested.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, but if you're, if you're doing your home sleep study, I would, I would advise if yeah. you're doing your home sleep study, One at a time. Uh, do it well, you can do them both the same night, but just sleep in different rooms. Yeah. Because well, yeah. the microphone's going to pick up the both of you.
1: Right. I was going to say, I was going to say, and, and you'd end up waking each other up at various times and not at the same time.
0: That's
1: right. Right. And it, and so it's, it's, it's not going to be accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which makes, which makes perfect sense. We have to think about that. Okay, yeah. okay, sounds sounds good. So um, anything else we've been talking for a while? Probably, maybe if you want to do kind of a little wrap-up on
2: what well, yeah. you think so, the takeaways
1: so, that people should, should.
2: So just value the importance of sleep, okay? Mm-hmm. Know that you cannot monitor your sleep yourself meaning you're unconscious during sleep. So you don't know what's actually happening in your sleep, but you know well enough to know you've been in your body your whole life. You know well enough to know if you didn't get as many hours as you should, you know, well enough to know that when you got up, yeah, you're yawning. (sighs) Like that. And and you don't feel restored. Then, you know, you you should make a change, You, you know, Make sure the room is darker and make sure the room is on the like, a little bit on the colder side. Um, make sure the the bedroom that you use is only used for sleeping and sex. nothing else, no eating, no family arguments, <laughs> no kids playing in there, just only sleep. That's it. so so those, those are the things you 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 want to do what's called sleep hygiene to make sure your 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 bed is good. And then if you have, A clenching disorder, headaches, migraines, um, and you don't feel rested in the morning, they could all be tied in together. The reason why my office and the other 65 offices we have throughout the world are called the TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center Mm -hmm. is that it's very hard for us to find a TMJ patient that doesn't have some kind of sleep breathing disorder at night. And it's very hard to find a sleep apnea patient that doesn't have some kind of jaw problem because they've been clenching at night as well. So, so, you know, that's there too. And if you want more information on my website, TMJLA, Mm -hmm. um, you can go there, click on either sleep or pain or orthodontics, and there's a plethora of great information.
1: Yep. 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 And I will put, um, I will put that link in the show notes as well for people. Wonderful.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It was delightful having this chat.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I've learned a lot. Okay. So, okay. um, you know, which of course is all I ever care about. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's also it's interesting because I think I think, you know, even though we we're talking about oh, okay, for people over fifty, but I really think that it applies to people of all ages. And really the earlier you can get this taken care of, you know, and under control, um, the better I off agree. your life is gonna be. So, I agree. Yeah, I so even yeah. Yeah, so even if and, people are over 50 listening, you know, hell, if you've got kids or whatever and, you know, turn them on to it as well.
2: You know, I'll, I'll even add this since you mentioned kids. Uh, remember those two stages of sleep I talked about, you know, Delta and REM? In adults combined, they're supposed to make hopefully 50% of our sleep, okay? okay. In the infant, those two stages of sleep make up nearly 100% of our sleep. We have very little stage one and two, and as we get older, we start creeping up more stage one and two, but like even a pre-adolescent child is going to need more Delta and REM than an adult will, and when they have even a little bit of apnea, it has a much more profound effect. A little apnea in a child is like severe apnea in an adult.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up.
1: Yeah interesting yeah because there's also a lot of people you know who watch this who have grandkids yes also
2: yes absolutely
1: anyways okay well um let me just finish off by saying that i am not a doctor and this (laughs) is not medical advice you know per se and absolutely yeah and that if you are having any of these kind of issues please go see your own doctor yes um and, and if you're not getting any help there, then go find another doctor who can at least help you or who specializes in this area.
2: I agree. So
1: that is it for today. And thank you very much for joining me for this. I, I do appreciate it.